it were only appropriate to shout, encore, encore. That was one, the all rights just seem to be getting better and better and better. They're, I don't know, we're going to have to change their name. I don't know to what yet, but, uh, but something. That was fun. It was appropriate, too, I think, for the text that we're going to be dealing with today as well. Uh, it, uh, a text that kind of begins and ends with, with worship. Uh, now is the time to worship. They open that time of worship with. And uh, what we're going to see now, too, in this passage out of Hebrews, uh, if you'll open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to be looking at the end verses in chapter 12, beginning in verse 25 down through verse 29 of Hebrews chapter 12 today. Um, you know, now is the, is the time to worship. And this, this passage that we're reading opens with the expression, see to it. There's an urgent warning there in that first, very first worth. First verse, see to it. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. You know, when the writer of Hebrews wrote that for the congregation of first century Jews and Jewish Christians, he wasn't referring to himself to be listening to not refuse him who is speaking. He, he wasn't referring to the, the person in that congregation that was likely the one reading this letter to the congregation when he said, do not refuse him who is speaking. He's not talking about the preacher today, and he's not talking about anyone reading this verse today when he says, see to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Most of you in your modern translations, in our English Bibles, you'll see that the him in that verse, the H-I-M, him, is capitalized. We know that that means it is a reference to God himself. The capitalization makes it clear that he's speaking about God. So he is here in, in this phrase actually rewording what he's already said at least three times earlier in the book of Hebrews, What something that we studied a couple of weeks ago in Psalm 95, which says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. There's an urgent warning in this. See to it. See to it lends it an urgency that it's something that's to be done post haste. Something to be done quickly. No excuses. It says you have the responsibility and you have the ability now. See to it. Have you ever been asked to do something? told to do something. I remember as a child, my mother would ask me to do something like clean my room or pick up something over here. And, you know, I'd, I, I would go to my room and I'd dawdle around and pretty much I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't get it cleaned up until finally she would use those words, see to it that this room is cleaned up before by the dot. See to it. Remember Samuel? Samuel who, who heard the, the voice of God as a, as a little child there at the end of the day he was lying down on the floor in the temple there 
and he heard his name called, Samuel, Samuel. And little Samuel gets up and he goes into Eli the priest. Eli says, Samuel, go back to bed. He lays back down. He hears it again. And after a couple of times, Eli thinks, okay, I got it. It's God calling Samuel. And finally, he tells him how to respond to God. And there's Samuel again lying down and he hears Samuel, Samuel. And what does he say? He says, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And God called Samuel to be one, if not the greatest, one of the greatest prophets. Says Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fail. Samuel heard the Lord speaking and he responded with humble service. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. What about you? Has the Lord spoken to your heart? Has he called your name? Has he asked you to serve him in some way? What's your answer? Speak now. Your servant is listening? Or have you found like I did as a child a million other things to do, a hundred reasons not to get done the one thing that the Lord has asked me to do, putting it off until tomorrow? What the Lord would have you do today, see to it, the writer of Hebrews tells us. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. You know, there's a danger in delay. Each refusal, each non-response to the voice of God begins to put a callus on your heart and begins to clog up your hearing until you no longer hear the voice of God. Little by little, each refusal to respond to the call of God in your life until your heart is so calloused and your ears no longer hear. It's an urgent warning in verse 25 here. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. You know, I think God speaks to us with that still, soft, soft voice sometimes. Sometimes he, he speaks to us just through an impression in our soul. See to it that you do not refuse him. In the second half of that verse, we're given a reminder from the past. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. We're reminded from the fate of the rebellious people of the Exodus. Remember how God over and over showed them his provision, his protection, how he revealed himself to them on, at Sinai and gave them the law. Every day he showed them the way to go. He spoke to them through Moses. And yet, ultimately, their grumbling became a habit. 
And the grumbling habit turned into refusal to follow his instructions. And a whole generation was judged and did not enter the promised land. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, those Old Testament people of the Exodus, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns us from heaven. Who warns us from heavens? Look at the beginning of this book of Hebrews chapter 1 in the first verses it tells us God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, and so many refused him, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high." Much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And so it is Jesus who is seated in heaven. He is the one who now warns us from heaven with that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit within or that constant, Pull toward him. If those who based on the testimony of Moses, the miracles of God in the Exodus, the presence of God at Sinai and the testimony of all of the prophets still refuse to believe since they did receive judgment, then we, this side of the cross, this side of the resurrection, this side of Christ's ascension into heaven with all of the testimony of the apostles, with the whole of the scriptures, and yet we turn away from him? How can we expect to escape judgment? But he gives us a promise for the future in verse 26. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. And his voice shook the earth then. When? At Mount Sinai. Exodus 19.18 describes the scene. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain quaked violently. What a, what a dramatic scene. As the people have been gathered at Mount Sinai. Moses is ready to ascend the mountain. God descends to Mount Sinai and the whole mountain quaked violently. And I think the people did as well. Hebrews 12, 21 tells us that even Moses was full of fear and trembling. 
And now here in 1226, he is promising another shaking. He is promising another descent from heaven. He is promising that he will return again in his full glory. He is coming once more and everything will change. Verse 27 is the explanation of verse 26. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. He's speaking of the second coming of Christ. He's speaking of that, that final salvation, that, that final coming of the Lord when Everything is changed. Revelation 21 tells us that at that time he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. When the people of Israel came to Mount Sinai, God shook the mountain with his presence. The earth was shaken. But the writer of Hebrews tells us here that those things which cannot be shaken will remain. What are those things? Earlier in this chapter 12, the writer contrasted Mount Sinai with Mount Zion, illustrating the, the temporary things represented by Mount Sinai, the dispensation of the law and the permanent things represented by Mount Zion. Beginning in verse 22, he, he describes the kingdom of God represented by Mount, Zion, by Mount Zion. But you have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. Those are the, the, the permanent things. That phrase, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. Do you remember? Abel, murdered by his own brother out of jealousy. Abel's blood cried out to God to condemn his murderer, his brother Cain. But the blood of Jesus was poured out once for all, not in condemnation, but in atonement for the sins of all. Jesus' blood speaks of forgiveness and redemption, not condemnation. How much better the blood of Jesus speaks than the blood of Abel. It is through him that we enter into a kingdom which shall not be shaken. Verse 28 tells us what's our expected response. Therefore, 
Since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. Therefore, since we have received this kingdom, see, that is weird. Now, my hearing's not real good, and I heard that. <laughs> is the kingdom coming, John? <laughs> the kingdom is already here, actually. Therefore, the, the, the tense of that really is, is therefore receiving the kingdom. You see, we've already become part of that kingdom. We have received that kingdom. It's in the present tense. We have already received a kingdom which cannot be shaken. That's the, the already part of our salvation. When we are saved, when we respond to the voice and the calling of God in salvation, we are made part of that kingdom that he refers to up in verses 22. We become part of the general assembly, part of the church of the firstborn. We are enrolled in heaven. We become citizens of a kingdom which is not going to be shaken. That happens immediately upon our acceptance of Christ as our our Lord and our Savior, but he's not done there. We will receive that kingdom. When he comes again, the, the full completion of that kingdom, that's the, the not yet part. You've heard that already, not yet. We've been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. We are part of that kingdom. We are citizens of heaven, and we will reside in heaven, and that kingdom cannot be shaken the receiving is sure. It is a fact. It is not just something to look forward to. It is a present reality. We who are in Christ, we who have accepted his gift of redemption, we who have not refused his salvation and his lordship, we who are part of the general assembly and the church of the force firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, we will not be shaken. And he expects us to show gratitude through, as it says, our offer to God of acceptable servants, acceptable worship. It's the same thought as in, as in Romans Chapter 12, verse 1, where it says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now is the time to worship. Not tomorrow. Not, not sometime when you learn the song better. Now is the time to worship. We are to worship him in the confidence of our standing firm as part of his eternal kingdom, giving thanks that he has placed us in the heavenly kingdom in Christ through the redeeming work of Christ 
on the cross and his expected response from us is a life of worship and service. In reverence and awe. In reverence and awe. Those two words, I, man, I struggled as I studied those and I went back and looked at the Greek and they almost define each other. It, 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 the idea of, of reverence is the idea of how, how you would, would, would carry something that is of immeasurable value and you would place it carefully on a secure stand. It's, it's a reverence of, of understanding the, the, of the value of what that is. It's, it's understanding who God is and awe. Look that up and it said reverence. It's, it, it's understanding the awesome character of God. That he is not like us. He is other than us. He spoke all that there is into existence. I mean, is that an awesome individual or what? We are to serve him and worship him in reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Man, that went through me. That one... We are to, to worship and reverence our God because he's a consuming fire. And what came to my mind was a, a raging wildfire. But you know what? That's not really the image. The idea here is that he is all-consuming. That, that, that he is not a raging fire of destruction, but a consuming fire of purification. He burns the chaff and the dross the temporary things. The idea of a consuming fire here is that he is all-consuming. All Nothing escapes him. The temporary things are burned up. The eternal things are left pure and undefiled. I think Peter speaks of it best in 2 Peter chapter 3. When he speaks of that time when the earth shall be shaken and the heavens shall be shaken, he says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be dissolved in the fire and the earth and its works will not be found. Since everything will be dissolved in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to conduct yourselves in holiness and godliness as you anticipate and hasten the coming of the day of God when the heavens will be dissolved by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with God's promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells and we will not be shaken. See to it that you do not refuse the voice of God when he speaks to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you have spoken to us today. I pray, Lord, that we've cleaned out the, 
our ears and we've perhaps scraped the calluses off of our hearts so that we may hear from you. Lord, give us grace and boldness to respond. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I believe God may have spoken to some of you long before you came here this morning. He's called most of you to salvation already, but he may have called you to service. He may have called someone to, to full-time ministry. He may have called you to, to come and work in our nursery. He may have called you to be a Sunday school teacher. He may have impressed on your heart any number of ways to serve him and to worship him, and you have refused. Please see to it that you respond to him today. Perhaps he's calling you to join in fellowship with this body of believers. Whatever it is that he has called you to do, whether in the past or today, you come and let us know that you're responding to what the Lord would have you do. Let's stand as we sing now.